0: Hey there, and welcome to the Agentic Voice podcast. My name is Kristen Ruiz, and I'm here with my co host, Dr. Geneva Main, and our special guest today, Jeremy DeToli. Jeremy, it's so nice to have you here. We're we're really looking forward to this, yes. So in today's episode, we're going to learn a little bit about Jeremy's story and what it means to be a certified trauma-releasing specialist. So let me tell you a little bit about today's guest. Jeremy Detoli is a singer, vocal transformation coach, and a certified trauma-releasing specialist. Jeremy has been featured in GQ, Men's Health, and Rolling Stone. His band, The Dirty Skirts, has performed at festivals alongside Snow. Snow Patrol, and Evanescence. Jeremy won the South African Music Award for Best Alternative Album, and his music won the Grand Prix at the Lurie's South Africa's Premier Advertising Award. So again, Jeremy, it is my pleasure to welcome you here today.
1: Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here and lovely to meet you both. And hello to everyone who's listening, whether you're in your car or having a A pumpkin latte or whatever it is just wishing you a beautiful day and thanks for being here beautiful
2: i think it's so cool that we're getting to do this with you in south africa and us here in the uh, east coast here in the united states so happy to have you we usually um start out with our first segment which is what's new what's good um so for me what's new what's good is i'm actually on vacation although you wouldn't tell because Sometimes it's a work, it's definitely a working vacation right now. So I'm glad to be tying up my loose ends and getting to look at some research that I had left behind, um, last summer and trying to tie up some loose ends with that, but whew, sometimes when your time is not structured, it's more running around.
0: <laughs> or you start to realize what's, what, what hasn't been done yet. <laughs> yes. You see what yes. ends are. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: But. You know, I have to say, like I've done a lot of cleaning, and um, I think I had forgotten how regulating, having clean spaces, like decluttered and clean spaces, feels like. There's such a good feeling that comes when you walk into a room and it's not it's not at the back of your mind. Oh, I have to get to that. I have to get to that. I have to clean that. So um, I'm putting it out there for everyone. If you want to feel better, maybe take some time to clean
0: and <laughs> invite Geneva over to help you out. <laughs>
2: what's up with you jeremy what's new and what's good
1: so what's new and what's good is i'm sitting in a very freshly painted room i've had the chaos of this whole house that i live in on this beautiful farm being painted over the last few weeks sometimes it's involved walking in Uh, puddles of dust uh, with nowhere to kind of slink away and have my naps so I've been a little bit like a hamster and someone stole my newspaper for the last few (laughs) weeks but what's good is that it's the second last day so I'm a little bit excited about that and the house looks beautiful and also what's good is today I uh, put something into action. I've got a research project into uh, vocal impairment and the, the emotions surrounding uh, voices shutting down in different uh, situations. It's a research project with a, um, uh, Miriam von Mersbergen from uh, the University of Memphis. Anyway, and we're moving it across to a, a, to a foundation that is now going to be promoting it, uh, which I, I set up uh to be really putting this research project out onto the onto the 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 planet really so i'm excited about that
2: yeah So, so what stage of the research are you guys in
1: the really early stage of the research where the research um the actual um uh survey has been completely constructed it's probably gone out to 50 to 100 people but it's now hosted by a foundation that i've just finished setting up and so now i mean you know there's this tweaky little thing which is that if you set up a foundation and not pro- for profit google will actually give you a thousand dollars a month of free advertising Here's wow. Yeah, and, and that's, we're putting out the survey, so we're going to really be able to get the survey out on mass, which I'm really excited about. Uh,
2: wow, I wish I had known challenge. that when I was doing my doctorate. What a cool <laughs> hack!
1: It's nice. an amazing hack.
2: <laughs> What's up with you, Kristen?
0: <laughs> well, first I want to say, like, I can't wait to I can't wait until that is available for us to all check out. That's going to be great. Um, and it's funny that you both bring up the idea of, you know, decluttering the newness of fresh spaces, because I'm kind of in the same line. So there's some, some alignment going on here with us. Um, been decluttering um, both <laughs> the outside spaces, but also the internal kind of weeding out and really thinking about how, you know, time is short and joy is too precious to waste it on stuff that's not valuable enough and really being intentional about that and circling back to, so it's not really new. It's just a good and delving in deeper of the good of, of, what is the the driving purpose? What are what is our work about? What is our life about? And that's kind of what I've been been thinking about um, and working on the, these last couple of weeks. And it's it's been great. It's it, it's lighter, you know, when you yeah. let go of some, empty out your backpack a little bit and realize, that, wow, I've been carrying some boulders I didn't need to. So so that's what's feeling pretty good over on this side of the world. Nice. Cool. Yeah.
2: Can I
1: hijack the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> i just wanted to share something i wanted to riff off that for a second yeah. just segues into the work that I, I i do is i wanted to share that like at this exact moment what i'm doing is i'm tapping my legs with arms folded over and i'm tapping my legs alternately and bringing awareness down into my lower body to regulate my nervous system because you know you're two new lovely people. But it's also like it's a lot like this is the internet a podcast. So anyway, I just wanted to share that I'm regulating my nervous system, which is something that I teach a lot. Um, so that I can really sit a little deeper in myself and be more in flow. And funny little risks will happen like me deciding to pod, to hijack the podcast will happen because I'm settled more in my system. Anyway, I just wanted to share that it's a little hack. It was happening in real time. So I thought I'd fess up that I'm tapping away here.
2: And I will share with everyone what you were doing to help me co-regulate when my sound system totally was not working. And um, Jeremy was cutting up and spontaneously making songs and playing the guitar and doing lots of lovely things to help me calm and focus on and don't think I didn't catch that Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty awesome. So like now that we know you have all sorts of really cool hacks, we want to know how did you get here? So tell us about your experience, your strength, your hope. How did you get to the work that you're doing now? And um, why is it important? Why, why is it important to you? Can you share that
1: with us? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you for asking. So I would just say that I uh, arrived at this both as a lifer, as a musician, but also as a musician with not a great voice and, you know, and and a lot of what I'm going to call vocal blocks, real bad boundaries, inability to really stand up for myself, a total fawn or pleaser you know total pacifier that's my job make everyone feel better uh, and just down regulate everyone um and so like a lot of blocks and um a lot to work through and i you know about 25 26 years ago i kind of let's just say got on a path where i became really curious and i wanted to start really healing and working through traumas and so i trained as a healer and a facilitator over time um At first, I started more on the the woo side of the universe, doing energy healing and coaching. And then I segued more into the last 15 years into a lot of different forms of trauma facilitation. And at some point, a light bulb went on because I was kind of like, on one hand, um, a slightly badly behaved rock star. On the other hand, um, I was, you know, a trauma facilitator. And the two worlds were not like the most amazing fit together. It wasn't seamless, let's just say. And... uh, I mean, to cut a long story short, I rock and roll, I retired from that. But it was also a realization that humanity carries incredible trauma around self-expression and voice. And I'm going to go so far as to say that it's... I'm going to just put something out boldly because I know this podcast is listened to by voice people that in general, singing teaching perpetuates a lot of intergenerational mass cultural trauma around singing. Now, I'm just going to, it's a big baldy I'm putting out there, but in South African um, traditional culture, which is very much still in place, everyone sings, the whole community sings, the idea of being a non-singer is not, does not exist. It's really only in the West that this notion of being a non-singer exists. And so this Thing about athleticism and perfectionism and singing teachers, the, the singing teaching that's aimed at the people who can already sing. Like, what about the other 75% of people who think that they're non-singers? Are we perpetuating a thing, which is a lie, a mass cultural um, kind of uh, construct that silences 75% of the people, and uh, 75% of singers, which is all of us, and stops us from ventrally, vaguely, deeply connecting in community and singing together as one organism and coming together and sewing together, let's just say culture at the level of the heart and body and voice. Anyway, that was a little rant, um, but I'll just, I'll stop there.
2: I, I mean, I love that, Jeremy, because this is a thought that I've often had, like, because I know Christine can relate to me on this. We both grew up in like church culture And in church culture, people always sing. And, uh, you know, I'm an immigrant from Jamaica West Indies. And when I first moved to this country with my family, we moved to the campus of Andrews University where my parents went to school. And I just remember every Saturday afternoon, Sunday, sometimes Sunday afternoons, you would hear families, groups of families uh, on picnic tables in the parks, many from Africa, um, West Africa, all over Africa. Caribbean is a very big international school just singing. And I just remember the beautiful harmonies, people singing in their own language. And mm-hmm. I mean, I always grew up with that. I remember thinking at a young age that church was like a musical <laughs> because you know you had the, the different responses to what the speakers mm-hmm. said, you sang a hymn together, and you know, my sister and I would cut up, you know, and laughing to ourselves how much church was like a musical, and then you'd have the soloists get off and do their thing and like I went to college and I would sing to myself because that's sometimes how I regulate self-regulate and people would say to me oh you have such a beautiful voice oh you have such a nice voice and it was the first time that I had the awareness that not everyone sang that this idea that you have to go to school or go to lessons to sing I was like that was just not a part of my awareness at all you know so I love that you went off on that little riff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I want to ask you, Geneva, and what is your perception of? Because I love—I mean, that that cultures that sing together, I, I just think it's fundamentally healthy. And I think part of what creates a very me-me-me culture um, and the loss of Ubuntu, the loss of I am that we are, is that we is that fo- is folk that don't sing together. Like from your perspective, as you were brought up in in families and uh, that sing together, what what is the effect on cohesion or? family, and so on.
2: I think it's a form of intimacy that most people don't have.
1: Yeah.
2: And you think about like, when you're listening to a soloist, why are we so attracted to the soloists, the pop stars and everything else? We're knowing them in a way that they don't know us. And part of it is tied to their voice. Like most people can recognize Beyonce's voice is a very famous voice around the world, right? But most people wouldn't say that everyone knows my voice because their voice just is not there. But when you grow up singing with people and, and hearing their voice and knowing what they, how they sing a certain song, like there are songs that we would sing together where I know, okay, this person's gonna do this at this part. <laughs> you just wait for it. It's like a form of intimacy and familiarity that you wouldn't normally have in a relationship unless you are singing together, you know?
0: I think the other piece of this is that um, it, it speaks to the, the purpose behind it, right? Music can serve so many different agendas, both really healthy and beautiful and sometimes toxic, right? And so I think that the idea of having a collective experience where we're creating, we're co-creating something together, that's very different than other parts of the music culture that it's like, okay, entertain me. Right. you know, like prove yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And that prove yourself can come from maybe the audience perception. A lot of times it comes from, I mean, the fact that you brought up, you know, the uh, singing teacher, like the the training academies and conservatories, some of that comes from, I mean, I remember watching people who I thought had, had beautiful voices. Yeah, there were some things to work through, there were challenges, but they the the way they were dismissed, the way they were cast off to the side and watch I, I i was always an observer so i would watch and i would see the demeanor of their their body language change the the way the sparkle in their eyes shifted and they made meaning of that experience much more than just okay uh, you know that song is not for me it ended up being an a full identity meaning making experience that then they carried with i think there's a lot of people with um, Artist souls who have uh, some brokenness in in the psyche, in the emotions because of those kinds of experiences. And I certainly have been, you know, on the receiving end of some of that. And then you internalize and do it to yourself. You know, how many times do we see that that the the singer, the artist is being the harshest on them because they were socialized to do so. And I think breaking away from some of that and coming back to the, the collective beauty uh, of creating something. We've been talking with my singers um, this month. I thought I made up this word, but then I was looking it up and I saw it another place. So I guess I wasn't that clever, Um, but we've been talking about returning to (laughs) heartistry. You know, the idea of not, you know, I work with a lot of um, professional singers. So, so being excellent, having high skills, you know, that is part of the story, but coming back to the heart and the love, like, oh my goodness, we get to express our inner voice through the singing voice that is both joyful to make, joyful to connect with others, like we get to do this and, and kind of peel off some of those other obligations that were put on it. So, so Jeremy, you bringing this up is feels very relevant in, in the circle that I'm in right now.
1: Yeah, it's incredible when you think about a culture that loses that, or I, I will often dial back when I'm working with groups of people, you know, we were talking, um, before the show, I think about a whole person's communication system, singing, speaking, internal voice, body sensations. And I, I, I sometimes refer to it as whole voice. In other words, a being is both speaking and singing and v- sub vocal sounds and uh, hand gestures and body sensations and an inner voice. And if you block that, let's just say you have a five-year, four or five-year-old child and you, you imagine what that child is like when being spontaneous, singing and dancing, it's a little wildling. And you start to shut that child down and that child stops dancing, stops expressing their emotions freely. What happens to that child? And of course, what are, what are the primary emotions that got shut down? One of them is joy. And people wonder why they're living a slightly joyless life. It's pretty easy to find it. I generally I find when I'm leading groups, I lead groups unburdening speaking and singing voices, but will always work with singing voices too, is that there'll be a freeze response, a throttled throat, uh, a mortal fear of singing out of tune or being exposed or being shamed. And as that starts to release, incredible joy comes out it's amazing to watch people start giggling and laughing and as soon as they start singing in, an, in in a non-perfectionist playful way anyway it's such a beautiful thing to witness
0: yeah can you tell us a little bit about your work and what it means to be a, a trauma releasing specialist
1: so I call myself a communication coach and my work is focused on self-expression people who feel blocked expressing themselves speaking and or singing or both and I, i i've spent a lot of time around this territory really looking at at the very fine details so some people for example feel like they're too much and they're told that they're too much from when they were children and this just escalates and carries on so they'll have a kind of a i'm a lot and then i bottle it I sometimes call this the the blurt and hurt polarity. Um, And then on the other side, you you get two little voices where people are tremendously shut down and they really struggle to insert themselves into conversations. They feel unheard, invisible, spoken over. And then there are a ton of us who've got a hybrid voice that's somewhere in between that might have both of these elements. So I'll work with people around that part of their communication system because if, if, if I was to put a promise to the work It would be this. Let's take a breath together. So if I was to put a promise to the work, it would be that the people that I work with, I want to assist them and support them to feel completely safe, comfortable, and confident in their own skins around other people. So to be settled in their nervous system, able to express, able to find their magic and their sense of humor, whether they're speaking to a hundred people or having a difficult conversation with a spouse or a child and able to regulate their nervous system and, and speak, say exactly what they wanna say from within a like a kind of a yummy regulated organism. And the same applies to singing. I'm completely uninterested in singing excellence. I'm really interested in singing joy and the love of singing and how it feels Um, And the sharing of it. So that would be a kind of a summary of the work that I do. Generally, the people that come to me um, feel impaired and shut down in some shape or form, or that they're too much, and then they get shut down by others. And then I I work with them very deeply with trauma-informed tools a lot of very deep noticing. So I'll pay like a ton of attention. Like I'm watching the way both of you nod your heads and what angle your head is at in this exact moment. And all of the things I'll spend time working with my clients because we all have incredibly hardwired patterns that we developed when we were five and seven and 12. And sometimes those patterns don't serve us anymore. So I sometimes work also with, kind of call it influencers and CEOs to help them Not to Botox their self expression and become even greater uh, at being slick. It's to be more deeply heart centered, uh, grounded, authentic, present, to really be able to speak their truth in a balanced, human, powerful, um, even authoritative way within a tremendous amount of heart and warmth at the same time. That is my elevator pitch. (laughs) Nice.
0: I have a question. So when you, when we talk about the whole voice, right, and all of the pieces—the speaking voice, the singing voice, the the inner voice, the embodiment of that, then the physiology that makes that happen—then um, we've got the nervous system. You have all of these pieces, so it's so easy to try to isolate, you know, and work on one piece at a time, but it it's also it's like kind of like sometimes like riding a bicycle like you can't just practice the 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 pedaling you know or just the steering kind of you have to get the whole thing going how how in your work do you uh access transformation in such a complex system
1: yeah that's a, that's a that's a, a great question and it, it is complex so, so my work I'm, I'm not so interested in the, the incredible fine detail that, that, I, that I love. I'm, I get trained by vocal coaches and assisted with that. I'm really interested in, um, you know, I work with what I've, I've developed something called the Radiant Voices process that does isolate our elements. So one of the, one of the elements might be, for example, heart. How do you actually genuinely, deeply engage with and switch on a sense of heart-centered presence tune into this without it being like a hallmark card, like "Ah, when I'm in my heart, yay. Um, Like a really deep, authentic connection to the heart. So there's work to be done there. The same might be said about tuning into one's authentic emotional life in the moment. We're often quite divorced from it. We're in our heads. Yay. Hi, everyone. Great to see you. I'm fine. You're fine. Fantastic. But if we want to deepen then we, we wanna make contact with our authentic emotional life at, um, in the moment. Another one I would say is being connected to our bodies in the moment. So a lot I work a lot, like I was describing that tapping, I'll really work a lot with groups that I work with to be able to, for example, in this moment that we feel our bodies in the seat. So we really connect with our lower body, the somatic sensation, perhaps the belly breathing as well as the feet on the floor. And just see what happens as that as that assists us to settle our nervous system in the moment Mm -hmm. and then i would add on an additional element of that for example would be to bring in a sense of mindfulness or presence to be aware that you're here get out of the kind of hypnotized i'm in the movie i'm on a podcast to switch ourselves on and become really aware that we're here Rather than being in our conditioning, so that, I'm just giving you some examples, and then one that seeks to to really answer your question to integrate those in the moment, and that that's a little bit of practice to be kind of deeply present in the moment. I don't know if i answered the
2: question yeah go ahead yeah yeah so i was gonna think about this mindful awareness of the body as an agentic practice i don't know if that's what you want to highlight today but as you're thinking about that in the back of your mind i did want to ask going back to what you were saying before about um you know the singing or communicating singing speaking for joy do you think there is room in such an approach? I've asked Kristen this question before, and you kind of touched on it a little bit. Do you think there is room in this kind of approach for elite practice, superstardom, competition for roles, and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I've thought about this a lot too, and I think so. I think so, but but I, I also think it's. For me, I'm just going to put it out there that it's incumbent on the athletes to invite all the other ones in. That it's not exclusive, that the culture shifts, that they become like in more traditional cultures, they become potentially song leaders. But the thing is, it's call and response, it's we do this, it's we, not I and my magnificence at the super athlete. you shall all revere me. <laughs> I mean, nice. there's
2: definitely a monetary incentive for that kind of a thing. You know, I just think, you know, that you're talking about athletes, you think about, you know, some basketball players do not like to share the ball. <laughs> you know? <laughs> some people do not like to share the stage or the spotlight and that's very much a part of this culture um and you know it's our hope that through this podcast that you know we can contribute to kind of a shift in culture um towards more of what you're kind of speaking about today but um why do you think it's important for the singing athlete the superstar to invite the other athletes
1: okay yeah thank you so At a really, really, really deep level, I think that a lot of the cultural and societal and political and economic issues that we face as a culture are born of a me first, lack of community and a lack of connection. And, I, you know, like in South African culture, the the concept or the living concept of Ubuntu is I am that we are. And the sense of self is dramatically different in cultures that sing together. And so literally for planet Earth, for all of us, I think the coming together to sing where we're disarmed, because we're disarmed by our singing voices, when we're in our, when we're speaking, we tend to... I'm going to do some real junk science, so forgive me, both of you, but I'm going to use this, this sort of cliche that we sing from our... That we sing from our, our right brain and speak from our left brain. I know that that's not entirely true, but just that our intuitive side, our less in control side is our singing side. And that is where we're vulnerable, where I think Geneva was saying, where people, where we're seen, where we reveal ourselves in our vulnerability and our uniqueness much more in our singing voice. And I just think that we as a species are, are better human beings when we sing together. And I, I think it really matters.
2: Yeah. I agree. So, you know, we're going to head towards um, closing in just a little bit. So I gave you a little bit of chance at the back of your mind to be thinking about an agentic practice. And those are the things that we think our practices to really bring forward um, to highlight to people to maybe integrate into their own professional practice um, that you think is trauma informed that leads to vocal agency. Do you have one that you want to share with us?
1: Mm, thank you. I've, yeah, I've got a few. Okay. So I'm just sort of letting this letting this settle. Um, and actually, just taking a pause, having a little breath. You know, and it feels nice. Hopefully, everyone else listening is taking a breath, and we're all just co-regulating and settling down in our nervous systems. So. I am going to share this practice, which I I spoke about at the beginning. And I I really, really, really recommend this. Uh, I use this all the time. I teach it all the time. And so what it is, is we take our hands like this and we fold them over each other. So if you guys would join me, I feel super stoked. So we're crossing our hands over like this and then we're putting them down on our thighs. So the hands are down on the thighs So they're crossed over. So we're crossing our midline like in many different traditions and cultures and EMDR and all the things. We're crossing the midline. And now we're just going to tap our legs very gently with our hands. Now, if you happen to be standing up somewhere out there or sitting on a subway and it's tricky to do this, um, just tap left and and right foot alternately, like left, right, left, right. And we're bringing awareness down into the lower half of our body. And part of the reason why this is trauma-informed, I would say, and I've really had some very big vigorous debates around this, is that sometimes tuning into our belly area and solar plexus and heart can actually bring up a lot of trauma. And generally, I find that most people's bodies below the hips, from the, the thigh downwards, is a neutral zone. So we're tapping left and right right now, regulating our nervous system. I recommend this on Zoom calls, regulate the nervous system. Don't I say to my clients, don't stop regulating around other people. Um, I recommend this on Zoom calls, I recommend this um, in meetings or underneath a dinner table with families. Fabulous. Be regulating, always be regulating and returning back to a sense of grounded um, at-homeness in our bodies. And from there, Trust that the words that will come out will be kind of magical and present and your sense of humor will shine. But it's one of the best ways to unfreeze or reduce anxiety or increase uh, clarity. Anyway, that would be my really simple trauma-informed hack that I continue to use this day and I teach every single day.
2: Um, We were so excited to speak with Jeremy today about um, trauma-informed voice care, about regulating the nervous system, and speaking and singing and communicating with more joy. This was such a great episode. And I think this is one that I'll come back to often, Jeremy, I'm, I'm extending and open invitation, please come back and share some more of your insights with us. We really appreciate you being here.
1: Uh, it's been a joy to be here. Thank you both for hosting this and hosting me and putting out the good work. I love the. I, I love that you're talking about vocal agency. This is, whole field is so darn new, so we're all pathfinding and map making and sharing and and playing and working things out. So I just really appreciate meeting some um, folk who are on the same or similar journey to myself. Uh, yeah. So thank you for doing what you do.